Last November, we commemorated and recognized the International Day of Prayer for the Persecuted Church. We will do it again this November, but I decided not to wait until then to share today. So I am, I'm not talking about, I'm not preaching on the material as I have been following in our home groups. So if you're participating in our home groups, you can discuss it and read it there. For those of you who were present last November, I shared a compilation of many videos and I created them all in one. And we watched really almost the entire worship service, videos about persecution our brothers and sisters in Christ have faced throughout the globe. And if, do you remember, if you were there, I started out with a video, a news clip about a little girl who was born with a genetic defect so that she does not feel pain. And this news clip explained the severe trauma to her body that she has endured because she does not feel pain. So that she hurts herself. She might scratch her eye. When she was a child, she scratched her eye and and scratched so much that actually she became blind in an eye because she felt no pain. She runs into things and feels no pain and can severely hurt her body. And I use that as a metaphor for why the church in America, a blessed and privileged place that has not yet had to suffer the persecution our brothers and sisters throughout the world, Endure as a metaphor for why the church here should take time to recognize the pain in our body. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 26, the Apostle Paul, one of the early writers of our scripture, wrote to the church in the city of Corinth. If one part, he's been writing this whole long passage about how the church is like a body. Remember that? I've talked about that a lot here. The church is like a body. And, and in this extended metaphor, he says, if one part, one part of the church body suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. So why would I choose as a pastor to discuss some very depressing and sad things today? Because unless you are dysfunctional and there is something severely wrong with you, if one part of your body is in pain, you don't say, oh, I just hit my thumb with a a hammer, but that's just my thumb, therefore my body is not in pain, right? Anyone who says that, there's something wrong. Either they're just lying, or maybe there's something neurologically wrong, like that little girl. She doesn't realize that one part of the body is in pain, so she should be in pain. So, American church, blessed church, free church, safe church, our body is in pain today throughout the globe, especially in northern Iraq. In Syria. But if you don't feel it. 
if you have come in today and if you are a Christian, I, I don't speak this next part for those of you who are not. If you are not a Christian and you hear and learn about the persecution the body of Christ is feeling, and if you do not feel it, if you do not sense it, there is something wrong with you. I say that in love and grace, but I mean it sincerely. If you see the suffering and the persecution of the body of Christ in this world, and it does not stir you to godly sorrow, then there is something severely, dysfunctionally wrong with you in the same way that if your toe was cut off, if you stood there and looked at it and said, oh, that's just my toe, I'm not in pain, there would be something wrong with your body. If you have experienced that type of trauma to your physical body, yet you feel no pain, medically, scientifically, something is wrong with you. You should feel pain, should you not? You should feel pain. So as your pastor, I'm not here today to try to make you feel pain. No, my point is, if you are part of the body, and if the Holy Spirit is working on your heart, and you're not resistant and selfish and sinful, you just by default will. And if you don't, please talk to me. Please talk to me, okay? Because then that means something might be wrong. It, now, I won't feel pain if someone else is hurt. I can kind of feel for them, but I don't feel physical pain. So maybe one reason is wrong is that actually you've been deceiving yourself and you have thought that going to church makes you a Christian. It does not. Christians should want to fellowship with other believers. But maybe if today you hear about the persecution our brothers and sisters in Christ throughout the world are facing and you don't feel pain, that might actually mean you're not actually part of Christ's body, the church. It might mean that you are deceiving yourself, believing you are a member of a body, but you're really not. Or, or it could mean there's some sort of sin, something happening in you that the Holy Spirit needs to work through, okay? So I recognize days like today are not fun, but they must happen. If something is wrong with your body, it is unwise to ignore it, correct? If you're hemorrhaging from some part of your body, you don't just sit and stare at it and just keep on going, right? You do something about it. Jakara, you'll have to advance for me today. I don't have my clicker plugged in. Forgot about that. Can you advance that first slide, John, out of John? If you're interested in being a part of Grace Tabernacle, becoming a member of our congregation, and the global denomination, the global association of churches, which Grace Tabernacle is a member of, you'll hear more historical things like this. Let me read a couple of verses and then I'll explain. John, Philip, one of Jesus' 
apostles. Philip found Nathanael and told him, We have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote. Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Next slide. Nazareth, can anything good come from there? Nathaniel asked. Come and see, said Philip. The Church of the Nazarene, the denomination of which Grace Tabernacle is a part, early leaders, as, we, as the denomination was forming, chose the name the Church of the Nazarene because of these verses. We, as a global group of churches, decided that's who we want to be. We want to be recognized with the least of these. Nazareth, can anything good come from there? We want to be a denomination that thinks in those ways and says, oh yeah, something good comes from there. And we will go to the places where people think, oh, nothing good can come from there. Jesus was known as a Nazarene, not in the denominational way we use that word today, but in the sense that he was from Nazareth. So in ancient languages, some Christians, depending on which translations languages people were speaking, some languages refer to Christians as Nazarenes. In Hebrew, Christians are Nazrot, coming from the root word of Nazareth, people who follow the Nazarene, Jesus, the Nazarene. In Arabic, Christians in the Quran are known as Nasrahi, the root word still being Nazareth. And it starts with the letter N. Jakari, can you advance? You'll have to, there we go. That in Hebrew, or Arabic, I'm sorry, is the letter Nun, in for us. The first letter in the word Nasarhi in the Quran, meaning Nazarenes, people who follow the Nazarene, Jesus. The first letter is that. Next slide. You see that graffiti up there in red? That's the Nun, letter N. It's a compound with a gate. So recently, in the last few weeks, the Islamic State, ISIS, you've heard about in the news, they've shortened their name to Islamic State. They advanced on the city of Mosul, ancient Nineveh, by the way, where Jonah, Jonah the fish, goes to Nineveh, same town, changed names over the, over the centuries, Mosul. City where, whose inhabitants are some of the oldest Christians in the world, very small group of people, they became so enclosed and uh, they became like their own ethnic minorities surrounded by Arab Muslims over the centuries. The Islamic State advanced into Mosul, this predominantly historically Christian town several weeks ago, and members of the Islamic State and sympathizers with them who do not like the Christians there in the city began to put the letter Noon, in, for Nasari, Nazarene, on homes and buildings owned by Christians so that they would be recognizable 
when the Islamic State finally gets there and as they're uh, performing their acts of persecution. Next slide, Jakari. So throughout the city of Mosul and other towns in northern Iraq, you will find in graffiti the letter Noon, in, denoting inhabited, inhabited places of Christianity, churches, church-owned businesses, Christian-owned houses. Next slide, Jakari. There it is. Can anything good come from Nazareth? Jesus the Nazarene. Over there they're known as Nazarenes, we would say. So as the Islamic State moved in to Mosul and other cities in the area, they gave Christians choices. They said they would. Either convert. This is those who have historically grown up as Christians. Convert. Pay a tax, a heavy fine, or die. Many have attempted to pay taxes, the fine, or convert, saying prayers to Allah, and they still have been executed. In the last week, last few days, really, I... I don't know, I felt, I don't recommend this for you, but I felt a great responsibility as a pastor, preacher of the gospel, to see for myself, I don't recommend it, but I have, I have viewed the deaths of several hundred Iraqis. I have watched those pressured into recanting their faith, saying prayers to Allah, believing that if they said these words, they would be allowed to live, only to then be decapitated. I have seen... The, such profound shock on a father's face in such a state of clinical shock that he clearly has not cried or anything. He, his mind cannot comprehend. I have seen his face as he holds his daughter's body in his arms, not much older than Cormac. And she has no head. Types of things the pastor should not share on a Sunday morning, Pastor Chris. You're here to make us feel good, happy, 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 happy. No, no. If part of your body is getting cut off, you don't just say, everything's great, Pastor, everything's great. No, you say, I'm hurting, my body's hurting. So all we're going to do today for the rest of the time, if you're new here, sorry, this is really unusual, but the times are a little unusual at the moment. We're going to pray for our brothers and sisters in northern Iraq, Syria, 
and throughout the world who are suffering for their faith in very real ways. Enduring levels of brutality that I really can't describe. Others who have remained alive are now, many of them, many thousands, are slowly dying of starvation and thirst on a mountaintop that they all have fled to. We're going to pray for our brothers and sisters in the faith. Who are hurting. If one part suffers, every part suffers. If we are not suffering right now, something's wrong. Okay? So let me lead us through some prayers. I will, I will speak out loud a prayer on behalf of all of us out loud, but we are going to pray. We're going to pray. We're going to pray for Christian parents who have watched their Christian children be beheaded. We're going to pray for Christians who have amazingly endured centuries of persecution, who have fled to a mountain without water or food and are slowly dying. I'm going to pray for Christian brothers and sisters who have had to hurry and leave their homes so quickly they have nothing with them, true Refugees. We're going to pray. Okay? We're going to also pray this first one for something that's also been in the news. Happening over there as well, but praying for peace. Peace for our Christian brothers and sisters. Peace for our Muslim friends and our Jewish friends. I want to pray for peace peace in Israel and Palestinian territories. Let's pray. Precious God, your scripture makes clear that you know the pain of your children. You love your creation and you hate to see violence and destruction. We pray for Christian brothers and sisters caught in the crosshairs of fighting in Israel and Palestine. We pray for Muslim and Jewish friends. We pray for peace. We pray that your name would be exalted, that those who do not know you, be they Muslim or Jewish, would come to a saving knowledge of Christ, 
the Redeemer of all things. We pray for healing and reconciliation. We pray for the church there to be a light to those who are far from you. We pray that you would protect the innocent, the children, the widows. Protect them. Watch over them. Next slide, Jukari. We're going to pray for peace in Syria. The Islamic State is there as well. Many Christians in Syria are suffering. Father, we pray for peace in this war-torn country where brutal atrocities have taken place against our brothers and sisters in Christ, as well as many who do not know you, many who are simply standing in the way of this brutal group. We pray... We pray for our brothers and sisters over there who are fighting for their lives. May they glorify you in all that they do. May they stand strong in the faith in spite of opposition. Next prayer. We pray for the persecuted church in Iraq, Syria, and around the world. Especially Christian children are being targeted because of their faith. Let's pray. Father, we pray for your little ones. Who are in great harm and peril right now. We pray for the protection. We pray that you would keep them hidden from the enemies around them. We pray for miraculous, miraculous occurrences of blindness and all that would seek to harm them, that they would not find them. We pray that you would protect the little hearts. those who survive, that you would keep them from allowing this to so embitter them and poison their hearts with anger against you that they would turn from you. We pray you would protect the little hearts. Keep these little Christian boys and girls in your arms and close to you. Though it seems unfair that they should learn it at such an early age, let them learn what it is to rejoice that they are found worthy to suffer because of you. We pray for your little ones. Next prayer. 
pray for local churches in the region. We just worry about, oh, an AC unit's down here. They worry about, will most of our congregation be alive next week? Pray for churches. Pray for pastors who must have an amount of faith and trust in the Lord that I confess might be very difficult for me. Father, we pray for your your church, your church made visible in these individual congregations in regions, Israel and Palestine, Syria, Iraq, congregations of your saints who live a very precarious existence. We pray for them. May they have unity. May they be places of prayer. May you keep their pastors strong in the faith. Their people obedient to you. Trusting in you. May they be a light in the darkness. And may may they not be afraid on account of your name. May they be witnesses for you. Who boldly, unashamedly proclaim Christ crucified. Is there one more prayer, Jakari? I think that's it. Let me add one more. Uh, I'm going to say something. I don't want to sound like bragging because the next day I did the exact opposite. As I was first reading up on all of this, um, I think Friday, I I just had to stop because it was so depressing. <laughs> went, to, went to take a shower because it just felt so dirty. I think you know, and uh, I, I was just had such a heavy heart and praying for these Christians, and then it's just in an instant, the Holy Spirit put such a brokenness in my heart for. These Muslims. The next day I didn't have the brokenness. I had to repent. I, I wanted them to die a terrible death. But these Muslims who are committing such atrocities, Christ died for them. Did you know that? The scripture I just read to you, written by a man named Paul, who would have fit in with the Islamic State? Who was a persecutor of Christians? Saved in a miraculous way, on his way to another city where he would inflict more persecution. And God said, you're mine. The passion with which you have fought against me, you will now use for me. You are mine, Paul, and you will know what it is to suffer for my name. I was talking with someone about this yesterday and they hadn't really kept up on the news. I know it's painful, by the way. Do not shy away from knowing and learning about what your brothers and sisters are facing. 
But they hadn't really known about it all, and I was informing them, and their immediate response was that there is a special place in hell for these people. And I get that response, I get it. But my immediate thought was, you know, Christ died that there would be a special place in heaven for them. So though we may be saddened and angry at how they are practicing such gruesome sin, we should remember that Christ said, I go away to prepare a place for you, and that you is for everyone. We should remember in our anger that Christ died for those who are persecuting our brothers and sisters in Christ. Scripture says our war is not against flesh and blood, church. Our war is not against Muslims, atheists, any religion, any group antagonistic against our faith. Our war, Scripture says, is against powers and principalities. A very biblical way of saying Satan and his evil forces. And it goes on to say, we do not wage war in the human way. We... Though there may be a place for it, we do not put our hope, the old language, the old ancient forms of warfare were chariots and horses. We might say bombs, planes, and tanks. We do not put our hope in chariots and horses. Some trust in chariots, some in horses. We trust in the name of the Lord our God. We do not fight the way the world fights. Because though a bomb may have an effect, it is weak, puny, and pathetic compared to a church that will actually pray. So let us pray. Let us pray that That men who in the name of Allah have decapitated Christian children would be so miraculously saved that they would have a testimony like the Apostle Paul where in an instant God says, you are mine. You will know Christ and I will use you for my glory. So instead of festering in an anger against those who are persecuting, let us pray That God would save them. Save them in a mighty way. So that they would be used for his glory. That they could be used and go back and, and other Muslims would hear and hear their testimony in a way that some white American over here would never work as some missionary Some person like me, I'm not going to have a voice in that. But a Muslim who has persecuted Christians, who is suddenly saved by the power of the gospel. Now that's a testimony that another Muslim might listen to. Amen? So let's pray for those who are far from God, 
who in our weakness and sin and flesh, we may want them to go to the pit of hell, but instead we should pray for their salvation. Oh, Father, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So that we so easily in our minds create hierarchies of Sin, because some do clearly seem so much more atrocious, we in our natural state, we are just as rebellious against you as some soldier over in Iraq working for the Islamic State. We in our natural sinful state have turned our backs on you. We are sinners just as they. But we rejoice that we, those of us Christians today here, have been saved by Jesus Christ and his death for us. And so we boldly believe in and proclaim what seems so impossible to our fleshly mind. The truth the amazing, profound truth that if Christ has power over the grave, He has the power to turn even the most wicked hearts to you. So as we lift up our brothers and sisters in Christ who are hurting We also lift up in prayer those who are inflicting the pain. We pray for our enemies today. And they are our enemies because they are the enemies of our brothers and sisters in Christ over in Iraq. We pray for our enemies, not because it is easy, not because we want to, not because we're so good and holy, but because we recognize that we too were once enemies. Enemies of you. And in your grace. And your mercy. You forgave us. Your enemies. And made us children of the king. I pray for any in here today. Who. Perhaps here have 
heard a message like this for the first time or have heard it for decades, I pray that any in here, well, the first time church attender have been attending for 60 years, if they have not experienced the forgiveness that Christ offers, that in this moment they would be so overwhelmed by the power of your love that they would cry out to you and seek forgiveness of their sins. Whether they be sins that are so outward and visible to the world or the so-called Christian sins that no one sees but all happen inside the heart. I pray that they would seek forgiveness and experience the joy of Christ's salvation who forgives sins. Father, it's hard and it feels awkward to have a service like this. Especially we in the American church, we love to be happy and entertained and smile and laugh at a good sermon and the jokes. This feels so awkward. But may that sense of awkwardness simply be a diagnostic revealing the level of unhealth in us. Revealing how how easily we love to be entertained when part of our body is being cut off before our eyes, yet we ignore it. Father, we praise you that you love us. We praise you that you, in spite of the pain and suffering, you know what is happening, you knew it would happen, and we trust in your divine wisdom, though we do not understand why you would allow it to happen. We trust that you love our brothers and sisters in Christ around the world who are suffering. We trust that you love us in spite of our suffering over here, whatever forms it may take. We love you. We love you for your forgiveness. We love that you are a God who hears our prayers today. We praise you. We praise you that you are a God who hears. As we go from here, remind us this week to lift our brothers and sisters in Christ up to you. Those far away from us and those who also do have true suffering. No, it may not be physical persecution But remind us this week to pray for our brothers and sisters here at Grace Tabernacle. Suffering, illness, depression, stress, lack of finances, uncertain futures, children and relationships that are broken, hurting marriages. May we this week, as a people of Grace Tabernacle, both pray for those who hurt far from here and who those, those who are hurting in our midst. And as we pray, may we continually rejoice that you are a God who hears our prayers and loves to hear them. It's in Christ's precious name we pray and all God's children said, Amen. Amen.